Come on, that's going to be an awesome series called An Inconvenient Truth. You don't want to miss it starting next Sunday. It's going to be awesome. Hello, everyone. My name is Shafin. Say hi, Shafin. If you can say my name, I've got a mini me here. It's called Shay. Shay, very good friend of mine. Shafin, mini me. Yeah, awesome. So good to have everyone here. If you're here for the first time, welcome. We're so glad that you could join us here today. And as well, if you're watching or listening online, we're very, very excited that you've joined us. Hey, something else that we are very excited about that I wanted to say for this whole service up until this moment is we have a very special couple in our church who've been going out for a while. And on Sunday, they announced their engagement. We can put up the pictures. Jaden and Ash. Where are you? Ash is at the back there. Some beautiful photos. Jaden is a youth pastor and Ash is our creative director here. And they're such an awesome couple in our church. And we're so, so excited about the adventure that is ahead for these guys. So very, very cool. Come to Everlife and you never know. You never know. (laughs) So good. Hey, well, tonight the title of my message is called Burnout. Everyone say burnout. Burnout. Absolutely. You know, it's been a hugely unprecedented unprecedented time in history, hasn't it? I mean, think about what we have been going through as across the globe. Think about what we've been going through as a nation, as a city, as a church, in your personal life. No one could have seen this coming. And, um, and thank God that now we're starting to emerge out of covid we're coming out of COVID, which is very exciting, and restriction, restrictions are being lifted. And, um, and I kind of feel like we're coming out of COVID, like where, you know, when you've had a big sleep and you come out into the daylight and you begin rubbing your eyes and you start to, you know, get the sleep out of your eyes. Or another picture is after a cyclone has come through and you've been bunkered down in your house, you begin, people begin to emerge out of their houses and look at the debris and everything and you're just kind of assessing the situation. You're trying to get a, a feel for where your life is at. And as we do look around, the reality, the sobering reality is that people's lives have been devastated by what has been going on. Um, some people have come out on top if you're on JobKeeper and, you've been, and uh, you're earning less before, but you're earning now. Well, good on you. It's awesome. Um, but so many people's lives have been affected um, economically. People's lives have been affected in terms of mental health through isolation, through different challenges that have gone on, and not only during COVID, but also right now as there's this global shift happening even at a cultural perspective as well. And this is like all on top of the pre-existing pressures we already have. And, um, and so it's at times like this that we can really feel like we're at risk of burnout of burning out. It's like the tank is just empty. And we can just start to question God and say, God, I thought I heard the guy at the front say that God's got good plans for my life. What happened to those good plans for my life? Why is life so hard? And I know that I speak to a lot of people and people's lives are just hard pre-COVID, but especially after COVID as well. And so tonight I want to speak into this whole area of being burnt out in our personal lives, in every part of our life, and what happens when it feels like the flames are too much and we are at risk of being consumed. We feel like we're just getting to that place of burnout. And so tonight we're going to have a look at an account from the Bible 
um, we're going to have, be having a look at the story that comes from Jan, Daniel chapter 3, if you want to follow along in your Bibles. Um, before that, though, I would like to pray. And, you know, I don't know if you've been to church before. Maybe you've been to church a couple of times. I don't know whether you're a Christian and you believe in this God stuff. If you're tuning in online for the first time and you're like, who are these crazies? Then I just want to encourage you just to open up your heart. If God's not real, no harm done. But if He is, God might just change your life tonight. And for the rest of us, you know, I just want to encourage us in this moment, like Ananda, so beautiful. Didn't she do a great job, by the way? Can we give Ananda a big round of applause? So good. We love so many people from different nations here at Everlife. We love seeing a beautiful mix of people really reflecting the different angles of who God is, which is such, such a powerful thing. Um, but I want to pray for us and I want to encourage you, like Ananda said, that just this is an opportunity for us to take a breath and allow God to speak to us right where we are in this moment tonight. Lord God, I thank you for every single person here. Lord God, right now as we just take a moment, as we take a breath, Lord God, I pray that the breath of God will just come. And Lord, as, as I speak, Lord God, I know that my words are only as powerful as they are when you speak through them, Lord. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us tonight. We've got to thank you for your power and that your power is able to transform and change lives. And so, God, we open up our hearts to hear from you, to hear from heaven tonight, in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, we are going to be looking at Daniel, chapter 3, starting from verse 16. But just to give you a bit of background... Um, King Nebuchadnezzar, he was the king about two and a half thousand years ago of Babylon, of the Babylonian Empire, um, about 600 BC, so quite a few years ago, and and he was quite arrogant. He thought, all the world needs to worship me, so he made a statue created in his image, which is like 90 feet tall or about 30 meters high, and he commanded everyone to come and to bow down and worship him by worshipping his statue. And so they said, when the music goes off, when the sound is made, everyone's got to bow down to my statue and worship me. And so everyone's like, okay, Nebi, we're going to worship you. You're a powerful guy. We're going to bow down. And so the music was set off and everyone bowed down on their knees. It was great. And Nebuchadnezzar was just swimming in his own glory. But then the officials came and they informed the king. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, there's three men who refuse to bow down to you. And he's like, what? He is enraged. And so he gets them to come into his presence and he tells them, you need to worship me. You need to bow down to the image I've created. Otherwise, you're going to be thrown into the fire. That is your punishment. And this is their response. The response of three young men from verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, We do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. I mean, that is some kind of faith there. We're facing the fire, but we're confident that God is going to rescue us in the face of an impossible situation. But then they didn't stop there. But they said, but even if he doesn't, We want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. That's saying that we will never bow our lives down to the demands of culture, to the demands 
You know, right now we're living in, a, in, in, a, in an environment where the culture around us demands our allegiance. You've got to bow down to culture. You've got to bow down to the demands that culture, that the, the different fads and phases and fashions want to force us to bow down to these idols rather than following the one true God. We're commanded to bow down, otherwise we're thrown into the furnace. We're ostracized. But here these young men refuse, even if it cost them their life. They're saying, we will not bow down to you. And I want to encourage us not to be influenced by culture, but to stand on truth. Not to allow ourselves to boil like a frog boiling water, eventually slowly being influenced by the culture around us, but to build our life based on truth rather than what culture dictates to us. And then Nebuchadnezzar responds to these three young men. Just picture this. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. Can you imagine that? He's so angry. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Do you reckon he had a bit of a temper problem? He's just, this guy's out of control. And then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So, securely tied, they fell into the roaring flames. You know, I just want to pause there for a moment as well and just encourage us. And just point out the obvious, that when you decide to make a stand for God, when you decide to resist the demands of culture, when you decide to to put yourself in the middle of the, the arena or the boxing ring, then the enemy isn't happy. The devil isn't happy. Let me tell you, it's you're not invited to coast through life when you serve God. It's not all butterflies and fairy floss. There's a challenge. When you step out to do something great for God, then you become a target. You know, some of you have signed up recently to simply join the welcome team, the host and hospitality team. But you know what? You haven't just signed up just to shake someone's hand and give them a friendly smile. You stepped into the arena. You were part of something great that God is doing in this place where Jesus is literally going to the dark places. He's restoring people's lives, just like Abraham who shared so beautifully this this church, this group of people here are making such a great difference that when you play your part by welcoming people, by being part of the band, whatever it might be, that you put yourself in the firing line. But you know what? This is not something to be afraid of. This is not a reason to shrink back or to count difficulty as a sign that we need to retreat or shrink back, but it's an opportunity for us to find new courage. And like these three men, to say, no, even if it cost me my life, I will not bow down. You know, Jesus himself said, said this. He says, in this world, you will have troubles. Jesus guaranteed us we'll face our fires. You know, I don't know whether you're going through a fire at the moment. No doubt you are. I've got no doubt, especially, that you will at some time down the track. You will feel like you're on the verge of being consumed in times. But let me tell you that these troubles are no surprise for God. God isn't shocked by the fires that we go through. And in a moment, we're going to go through three things that God is doing through the fire. But then let's go back and have a look at Nebuchadnezzar and what he continues to do from verse 24. But then suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, 
Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty. We certainly did, they replied. And look, he shouted, I see not three, but four men unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. Many theologians believe that this was Jesus pre-incarnate. Jesus himself walking in the fire with these three young men. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace. And he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, servants. Look at, look at how quickly he changed. Servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego stepped out of the fire. They just stepped out of the fire. And then the high officers, the officials, the governors and the advisors, all these important people, they were so willing just to, to dob these three men in, they started to crowd around them and they saw that the fire had not touched them. Like everyone forgot about the statue. And now all eyes are on these three young men who decided to make a stand. And it says, not a hair on their heads was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell like smoke. The first key that I want to draw out of this account tonight is this. Number one is that God won't take you out of the fire, but he promises to be with you in it. God won't take you out of the fire, but he promises to be with you in it. So the key of the survival of them coming out of the fire wasn't the fact that there was no fire. There was definitely a fire. There will be troubles. There will be fires we face. But the key was who was with them in the fire. And I love the scripture from Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1 to 2. And this is God speaking. And I really believe for each of us to receive this from God. But now listen to the Lord who created you. In other words, listen to the Lord who knows you more than anyone else on the face of the planet. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I have called you by name. You are mine. When, not if. When you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not consume you. Now the fire did not consume these three men because God was with them. That was the answer. There was no Bible verses they had to memorize. There was nothing they had to do. It was simply what they had to receive. Is The fact is that they acknowledged that God himself, Jesus, was with them. You know, I love the, the, the second part of John 16, verse 33, where Jesus promised, he says, in this world you will have troubles, but he doesn't leave it there. He says, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. But take heart, I have overcome the fire. I have overcome every challenge and difficulty you face. And because Jesus has overcome the world, we can have the confidence that as son and daughters of God, we can too live as overcomers you know for me with my kids you know when I take them from the car to the house and it's bucketing down with rain or it's a dark night and they're a bit scared when they're with me it's all the difference they don't need to do anything but simply to rest in my arms and it's up to me to bring them safely all they need to do is rest in my presence and it changes everything you know winter can walk to the toilet and hear a scream and he's 
green witches he reckons are there. And poor boy, oh, that parent failed time where I made, made him watch The Wizard of Oz. You know, that scary green, really bad makeup, Wizard of Oz. And um, poor guy. But as soon as they come into his presence, then the fear goes. You know, God invites us to live with confidence that we will not drown, we will not burn, be burned because God is here with us. In the middle of your greatest heartache and disappointments, in the middle of your financial losses, in the middle of your worry, in the middle of being a, a mum at home feeling like a failure and out of control, I'm married to a phenomenal wife, we know what that season can be like. In the middle of overwhelming challenges at work or a study, in the middle of a global cam- pandemic, in the middle of a global cultural shift, in the middle of the greatest spiritual warfare, in the middle of the greatest temptation, you will not be burned, you will not drowned, because God is with us. And you know, I love the fact that they didn't even smell of smoke. You know, I don't know if you're like me, but many years ago I used to smoke cigarettes. And um, I remember staying at my friend's place and we'd be like, we think we're so cool. We'd sneak out of his house and we'd be like going like smoking durries around and everything. And, and then we'd sneak back into the house late at night. We thought we got away with it, but it's kind of like, well, are you kidding me? And so we'd go into the bathroom, be like spraying ourselves with deodorant, washing our mouths and Listerine, drinking gallons of Listerine, just trying to get this smell out. And, um, and we thought that the smell of smoke would have just gone. But I'll tell you what, that cigarette smoke, I don't care what you do, it lingers. And, you know, sometimes the smoke or the smell of our past can linger a bit like cigarette smoke, a bit like smoke. It's like we just can't wash it out. It just lingers around. But do you know what? These three men emerged from the fire and they didn't even have the smell of smoke on them. And I believe that is God's word for some people here today, that although you've been through some great challenges of the past, although you're going through a great challenge right now, that you are going to come out not only without the smell of smoke, but you're going to come out smelling good. Come on, turn to the next person next to you. Say, you're going to smell good. <laughs> you're going to smell good because you're not smelling... No. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 to 15 says, Now God, now He, now God uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives are Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. Do you know, no matter what you've been through, when God is with you, there is a fragrance. There is a good smelling fragrance where people go, wow, that smells great. And you go, do you know what? It's not me. It's because God is with me. He's with me through the fire. Whatever you're going through now, whatever you've been through in the past, as you walk with God, you won't come out smelling like the past, but smelling like the fragrance of heaven. Point number one was God won't take you out of the fire but he promises to be with you in it. Number two is this. The fire you thought that would consume you was the fire that was meant to refine you. The fire you thought, this is it. I'm consumed, I'm done. The fire you thought would consume you is the fire that God is using and that was meant to refine you. You see, fire has a refining quality about it. When you go camping, I remember me with um, my mates or with family, you sit around the fire and, and, and you, you know, at first you're all you know, normal, you're putting wood on the fire, but then you get the empty shapes packet, you throw the empty shapes packet. You know, what else can I throw on the fire? You start throwing cans in there, whatever you can in there. 
And um, then the next morning, there's nothing but ashes there. But what do you find? You find the can of Coke there, crumpled up. Maybe all the paint has been seared off it. But what remains in the fire is something of substance, of quality. The, the, the aluminium or the metal that remains. And this is what God talks about when it comes to our fires. Why does God allow us to go through fires? Why does he allow us to go through great difficulties? What's the purpose of a fire? If the fire, the purpose of the fire isn't there to consume us, why do I go through these fires? Well, this is the answer. It's not to consume us, but to refine our faith. And 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 to 7, it says this, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure, really, many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's got substance as it. It's been tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So what's the purpose of the fire? It's to refine our faith. See, God does care about our comfort, right? He cares about our comfort. He cares about everything. In 1 Peter chapter 5, this same chapter, it says, give all your worries and cares for God because he cares for you. He cares for you. He cares. He cares about everything. Not, not just the spiritual things that I need to inform the Lord about, but he, he, he actually cares about every single thing in your life. But the only thing is that he has way more care about the quality and substance of your faith than anything else. He cares about everything, but his priority for your life is to develop substantial faith. He cares, he cares more about your faith than whether or not you have the latest iPhone. That was hard for me to wrestle with, to grapple with, but, um, but it's true. Because, and why? Why does God want us to have this substantial faith? Why does he want us to have a quality faith? Well, it's because this, it's, it's only faith that is the key to the abundant, limitless life that God has for every single one of us. It's faith that is the key that unlocks the provision of God. Faith is the only key to us living in victory, to overcoming the battle and stepping into the purposes of God. See, faith is what positions us to receive all of the power and the provision of God in our life. It's faith that accesses it. You know, faith says to God simply... I need you. God, I need you. Faith says, I'm not enough on my own. And this is exactly where God wants us. I'm not enough on my own. Like echo that song. I'm not good enough, but you're enough for me. Come on. Let's sing it. I've decided I'm not giving up. Up on me. You won't give up on me. Come on. That's it. When we get to the end of ourselves, we truly discover the unlimited grace and power of God. Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, and he let them know his secret to living this way. He said in chapter 4, verse 12, he says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's a full stomach or an empty stomach, with plenty or with little. I've learned the secret to living in every situation, where there's a fire, where there's no fire, where there's an abundance, where there's not, when things are going my way, when things are going completely against me, I've learned the secret to living, and this is it. I can do everything 
through Christ who gives me strength. I've learned that when I get empty, when I get to the end of myself, then that's where I truly find what I truly need, and that is the power and the grace of God. See, when all we have is God, we discover that we have everything we could ever need. When all we have is God, we discover that we have everything we could ever need. And Paul in 2 Corinthians also, he, you know, there's a, there's a time where Paul was going through a huge fire and he's saying, God, take me out of the fire. The terminology he used was there, there was a thorn in his side. That was his kind of fire that he was facing. And three times in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 to 9, it says three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away. Take me out of the fire. Take me out, God. Send your helicopter. Get me out. But what was God's answer each time he said? He said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And so now Paul said, now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. You know, God wants us and our faith to be refined because faith is the way that we're going to live as an overcomer. It's faith that we access the power of God. We achieve the purpose of God for our life. Faith is the key to living life in the way that God has intended us to live. The fire you thought would consume you was the fire that was meant to refine you. And the third key is this. The fire is your key to destiny. The fire is your key to destiny. And we go back and we read again from verse 28. Then King Nebuchadnezzar said, after the officials gathered around, King Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship God, any God except their own God. Therefore, I made this decree. This is pretty funny. One extreme to another. I made this decree. If any people, whatever their race, nation, or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they'll be torn limb from limb. And the houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There's no other God who can rescue like this. I think poor old Nebuchadnezzar just needed a holiday <laughs> in Bali with his family. <laughs> He's like, he just needed a break. Just got all too much for him. He's like opposite. Tear them limb to limb. If they don't worship their God, tear down the statue. And then the next verse, verse 30. And then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. You see, the fire you thought would consume you is refining the very faith you need to receive all God has for you to step into the destiny that he's prepared for you. So I want to encourage us, rather than giving up, tapping out, lowering our head, let's choose to press on and stay in the game And to lift our head to the one that will not let the flame consume you, but the one that will allow the fire to refine you. And I wanted to finish off just to share with you a dream that I had a number of years ago when I was a when I was a kid. You see, I grew up in a in a a family; it was all together. But then, when I hit the end of year ten, my dad left our family. And for me, before this happened, I had no idea this would happen. I actually had a few prophetic dreams that I realized that were dreams that were kind of telling what would happen in the future and one of these dreams was a really powerful dream of 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 me and my siblings three other siblings and my mum so without my dad 
And we were running flat out through this deserted, war-torn village. The village was full of rubble. And behind us was this unbelievably gigantic wall of flame that was as tall as skyscrapers. And it was evident and obvious in the dream that we were, our death was imminent. We were going to be consumed and vaporized by this flame. But just as the flame was about to get us, there was this, in the middle of the village, there was this stone church, old school stone church. And so we ran into this church and immediately the flames passed over us and it went and we were kept safe. And I had no idea what that dream meant at the time. I didn't even know that dreams could mean anything at that stage, but it did. But then looking forward, what I can see when I look back was that there's a prophetic dream that this fire that I thought was meant to consume me was actually a fire that would refine me. And so how did that happen? Well, for me, when the fires of the enemy came to destroy my faith, to destroy how I felt about myself, actually it was the very fire that was meant to destroy me that God used to refine my faith. See, when Dad left our family, it was at this time that I dug deeper than ever before and I found that although my dad might leave, although the world might crumble around me, that my God is my dad, that God is my father. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. And my faith was refined and I became anchored. That no matter what happens around me, my faith is like gold. I'm not saying it's perfect, but God used the fire that was meant to consume me and actually he used it to refine my faith. And it's a beautiful picture of what can happen to us. You know, there's a scripture from the Bible and it says, you know, um, Joseph says to his brothers after they betrayed him, they said, what you meant for evil, hey, God turned it all around for my good. What the devil meant for evil for your life, God will turn it all around for good. What the enemy meant to destroy, God will use for good in your life. And so the question is, what fires are you going through at the moment? What fires are you going through at the moment? What challenges are you facing? What fires have you been around or gone through in the past? And we all have a choice, I believe. Just like that instant, either I would be consumed by the flame or I'd run into that church that represented the presence of God. It represents God with me. I'm going to choose to allow God to come and visit me in the middle of my fire, in the middle of my flame. We can either allow the fire to consume us or we can run to God and allow the fire to refine our faith and to draw us close to Him. So I want to encourage us Number one, you will get through this. You will get through this because God is with you in the middle of the fire. Know that this will not consume you, but this fire is here to refine your faith. And know that you won't only get through it, but this is a part of a God-given process to launch you into destiny that He has for you.